Hey everybody, this is John Lind with uh, the BB&J Podcast, Season 2. Very excited to be reaching your eyes and ears, uh, depending on how you're viewing this. And I have a very special guest with me. He is SIU alum, rock star video editor, and a vital, Im incredibly important, like I cannot stress this enough, how amazing he is for the team part of our, of the BB Digital Lab family, Alex Todd Diaz. Alex, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, John, for the glowing introduction. I appreciate it. I, you might be overselling me, but. You know, uh, you, I know it sounds like a, a bit of a overseller, um, what is it, the term, um, overshot, but you genuinely make like a really good consistent product with everything that I've seen you do. I mean, it's like, uh, for those of you who don't know, Alex is, uh, does a lot of our thumbnails, including the thumbnails for this podcast. And I remember the first one that you sent, I was like, this is exactly what I'm looking for. Like it's just a perfect thumbnail. It gets the job done. It, it, it's so clear, concise, and just wonderful. Well, thank you. Uh, I try my best, you know. I mean, I have the guidance from you guys, so I, I can, you guys are, are always really flexible with your schedule, so I can pretty much ask any questions I need to at any time, and you always get back to me really fast. So that is huge, a huge help on your part, and it makes my job easier. So I think that there's a lot of give and take there. Well, uh, I think that's kind of the uh, blessing and the curse of entrepreneurship. You know, you're not, you're not necessarily stuck to 95, but that means that you're always kind of on. Hmm. Though, yeah, I'll admit I wouldn't have it any other way. <laughs> yeah, I agree. So this week I wanted to, I wanted to talk about you. Um, and as I as I mentioned and giving a little bit of background, you you are an SIU alum. So um, can you talk a little bit about what got you into uh, video editing or the world of I guess video videography in general? Yeah. Um, so basically, I mean, it kind of boils down to the way that the program was structured at SIU because initially I wanted to do work on video games and really yeah um I I wanted to do animation because that was pretty much their strongest program and that was the thing I was most interested in uh just happened to kind of work out that way but in order to do animation you have to do the broad major of radio television and digital media which means that I had to learn like a huge range of stuff so like I had to learn how to film video, how to edit, um, like we did like watched a ton of films and stuff and did like film theory and, and television like research and stuff like that and learned about like the industry um, in general like media and stuff. So that I mean I think you did the same program right? Um, my degree was actually in computer science but oh. in later on I did take uh, well, I took one RTD course, uh, okay. but it did give me a kind of foundational understanding of that whole thing, especially Premiere. Yeah. So, yeah, it was like, it was pretty broad for us. And um, 
it was just, it ended up being a ton of, of editing and filming. So once I had that stuff, then I could work on the animation and um, it ended up being a lot of each thing. So luckily I had the skills in both departments because once I graduated, it became really difficult to find a job in animation um, just because I didn't have a very good portfolio and you know, the, they, they all kind of want someone who's already um, really experienced, which I wasn't. So um, I kind of put that on hold because I realized that I was, I was good at animation, but I also, I liked editing too. So um, I was kind of like having a hard time finding a job. And I realized that having connections was kind of, a, of an important thing. And I happened, just so happened to meet Bridget um, in one of our RTD classes and we got along really well. So um, I just like, we friended each other on LinkedIn and then I asked her, you know, do you have any leads on any um, animation or editing stuff? And she said, yeah, I'm starting my company this month, which was hilarious timing. Cause- What year was that? That was, so that was um, this year, 2020 in- Okay. March, I think. I think so it was this the- was like when she, we, we really started coming on full throttle. Yeah. She, I think she, her, her exact words were, I just put my two weeks notice in today or something like that. Something very similar. So, I mean, yeah, we met in 2017 and we kind of keep, we've kind of kept in touch, but um, this was the first time that we really like, I don't know, engaged because I like, we would very occasionally like hang out or something. Like we were friends uh, and more than just like in class friends, but like we got along really well and, and, every once in a while we get like coffee or something. So it was like that, like we're, we're pretty good friends, um, which is why I think she was so um, welcoming and like already kind of knew what I was capable of. Um, So once I just applied, she, she liked what I was able to do and what I was capable of. And my skill set just kind of uh, fell right into her needs, your guys' needs. So it worked out really well. I've said that I've completely, I mean, I completely agree. You know the we were we were looking to to bring on someone as I mean a video editor. I remember Bridget would would explicitly say like I really need a video editor. Um, so I I think it was just perfect timing that you were you were looking uh, for for work at the same time that we were that we were looking for looking for a video editor yeah it was just plain luck call it destiny i don't know maybe but uh so yeah it it worked out really well i was surprised but um i'm glad that we both got exactly what we needed because um i don't know it was just it was a good situation and now i'm really happy working with you guys because um i don't know you guys are really flexible you guys um you don't it's not work that's like particularly demanding it's just like you tell me what i need to do and then i just do it and it's just like works really smoothly so glad to hear yeah i think um one thing that is uh, kind of kind of advantageous of a small business is it is a lot more direct it's more we need this thing so we get the thing and then we do it and then it's done yeah um so I'm I'm glad that you have adapted well to that life. I know that we both and kind of worked in the same um, 
general world, although I think you worked before me in uh, with WSIU, right? Yeah, I did work there. NPR, PBS. What exactly uh, did you do while, while you were working with them? So um, I laughed because I started out as a digital media specialist for the w WSIU um, PBS Kids Outreach Program. Um, and so I worked for one particular person named Beth and uh, she just kind of ran the department by herself, but she needed some people to like basically do like camera work and editing here and there for her. Um, so I was hired to do that. And uh, after like a year, I, we didn't really, we didn't really get along that well. And I think I, I don't know what, what she wanted um, probably wasn't within my capabilities at that time yet. Cause it, I was very new to the RTD uh, major. I was a sophomore, I think. Okay. And so you I, had to like just started getting into the more specialized classes. Yeah, basically. Yeah, exactly. So for my freshman year, I didn't do any specialized classes yet. And then I got a job and started the classes all at the same time. So um, after a year of doing that with her, two semesters, uh, she just kind of like, she was like, I think you might be better in a different department. And it was actually spot on because after that, I moved to uh, basically working for a producer um, named Mark St. George, who is an absolutely wonderful person and uh, just like the best boss I could have ever asked for. Of course, aside from you guys, second only to, <laughs> second only to Bridget. Aw, shucks. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I, I basically, to answer your question, what I did for him was uh, just like odd jobs around the um, studio. Like I got to experience what it was like working backstage for TV um, and just kind of help out with some of the programs and stuff. Uh, he would sometimes have me edit video or it was like a lot of just random odd jobs. At the end, um, I was doing some of the like uh, video effects packages, um, but I didn't do too much to that. So I got a really broad, um, uh, what's it called, experience set there. Yeah, I think that, that that's the case for most people at, at WSAU. I know I was primarily doing web design and uh, digital marketing, but there were times that I I worked with I worked with Beth. Uh, we're referring to Beth Spacia. Yeah. Um, to to clarify for those who are watching or listening, um, and I, I like I remember there were a couple times where I portrayed. Um, I can't remember who, but he was like a PBS character and his, uh, his superpower was that he could read and like use the power of, of books to uh, solve their, their quandaries or I, I don't exactly remember what. Yeah, that's, that's super why. Yes, super why. Um, I was Wyatt, there we go. I was Wyatt a couple times, which was very fun, I, I will admit. Um, so you got in the mascot suit? I actually got in the mascot suit. Yeah, which I is almost, sorry. What I, mean, you I mean, I've I've done that uh, through a, a couple different times. I actually portrayed Gray Dog once, even. Oh wow! Yeah, there was like a a um, an event for I think grad students with families, and like the kids would come, and there was like a scavenger hunt. At the end, there was they'd meet Gray Dog. And they were like, hey, we need someone to be, to be great dog. So I was like, 
I'm absolutely down. <laughs> I, you know, it, it's, it's interesting because it's like when people see you in, when you're, you're dressed up like that, um, whether it be white or whether it be, you know, whoever, they're not seeing you, they're seeing, you know, what you're, what you're wearing, who you, it's almost like you, they see who you represent. And I found there are a lot of things that are, that are kind of like that, you know, where they're not, they're, they're seeing, you know, your, how you're portrayed or, or what you're presenting, what, what the associations that aren't necessarily created by you. And I, I think it's, it, it's, it's definitely a unique experience that is interesting. I guess it is the best word for it. Yeah, I get that. Um, yeah, wow, that was a kind of a deep twist on, on, a, <laughs> on a mascot, the idea of a mascot. I mean, yeah, like I remember once um, uh, it was at the farmer's market and they, they it was around Easter um, carbon for, for once again, for, for our viewers or listeners um, at, on, at, Carbondale, they have a farmer's market, which is, you know, really nice farmer's market. And I think everyone saw for certain holidays, they do stuff. But one of the booths had um, a guy dressed up as the Easter Bunny, just walked around handing out candy. And the person in the, the costume um, was went to take a break, or I think he was he was done. So they they needed someone to dress up. And I was like, Sure, I'll do it. And, you know, it just, especially working with kids um, in that context, you know, they just get so excited as why, but as, I mean, especially the Easter Bunny, you know, handing out candy. And it was funny. Um, I saw one of my teachers <laughs> um, when I was uh, in one of my microbiology teachers there um, with her partner. And it, it was kind of weird because I was like, I can't exactly say hi as me, <laughs> you know, um, but I was, I just went up and, you know, did the normal friendly thing. You can't exactly talk to people in general because, you know, you have a mask on, especially as Wyatt or, or Grey Dog, you know, you have like, you really can't talk to people, but um I mean, I think even if I could, I don't, I wouldn't want to break that illusion for people, yeah. you know? Yeah. It's kind of like an unspoken rule that mascots don't talk, right? Yeah, like I said, the big reason is just because you can't, you can't hear them very well, but oh. you know, even though, um, even though you're talking, even though you know that it's a person in there, it, it, it's kind of like, like, you know, it's not real, but it kind of feels like you are talking to that person or you are interacting with Wyatt or, or Grey Dog or, you know, any, any mascot that, that's famous. You know, I, I think um, like the Philly Fanatic, that is, that's like a prime example. Have you ever seen him? What's that? It's like this green guy. Um, I wouldn't I, I cannot say that it looks like anything that actually exists, but it's like, um, it, it kind of looks like an elephant mask. I think it has like, 
not a trunk, but like, I don't even know how to describe it. Um, but a very, you know, comical, something you might see in like an animated kids show. Okay. <laughs> well, it definitely I has- imagine what that looks like, honestly. I, 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 I'm trying, I am clearly failing. No, it's not your fault. It's just probably so outlandish of a design. <laughs> it is. You're just going to have to look it up. You're going to have to look <laughs> it up after this, I guess. <laughs> um, but yeah, and I, I also worked with Mark St. George a couple times. Um, I, I, did you ever do the, uh, I think it was called Sounds of the Season? Yeah. Um, yeah, where like a bunch of different uh schools i think high schools a few middle schools they come in with their choirs there's the madrigal which i like i personally had no idea what a madrigal choir was i learned there and it was it was i mean i i did learn a good amount um i was fortunate that i had videography experience so every once in a while i'd be called in for something like that usually taking pictures sometimes video um yeah. But I have to ask, how was that, or what exactly did you do uh, with Sounds of the Season? Um, I think I ran camera a couple times. I did that for him. I forgot to mention that, but I, I did that sometimes. Um, it was a pretty simple job. Um, but yeah, that's all, that's all I really did for the Sound of the Seasons. Um, I som actually, sometimes I, I helped hang out the lights, because if you remember in the background, there were lights uh, shaped like snowflakes in the background. Um, because there was like the the curtain in the back and then um there was like big lights uh covering the curtains with little snowflakes and different designs so i think i remember what you're talking about yeah yeah it was kind of subtle so like it's it's hard to imagine if you didn't already notice it you know yeah um, kind of like the set design um but we had we had this uh thing called the genie which was basically like a like little forklift thing that would extend really high into this into the um into the air so that we can reach the lights and i would sometimes like help put them up or pick them pick them up or take them down change them put the uh the little <clears throat> they're like little cookie cutter sheet things that yeah. made the lights have that design um so i did that sometimes and it was it was pretty fun um probably the most dangerous thing i've ever done which is it wasn't very dangerous but like if you dropped a light, like you basically owe the company like ten thousand dollars or something. Not really, I think, but I never did. That sounds luckily. about right. <laughs> I'm I'm known for being clumsy, so I'm really lucky that I got out of there without owing any money, <laughs> or at least costing them money. <laughs> at least not not breaking anything. Well, I'm I mean I'm I'm glad you did. Thank you. You know, as as I'm sure you are. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I was I, I was fortunate enough to never break any equipment. I was really I was always really worried about it because I handled a lot of expensive equipment there, and they put a lot of trust into me. I mean, I was just a student worker, and they would just kind of like sometimes if we were going to a shoot or something, they'd just say, "Okay, here's the equipment. Come in tomorrow, pick it up yourself, drive the van, and go to the place." <laughs> and I'm like, did you <laughs> Did you drive like the PBS van? Uh, yeah, I did drive that. Um, when I worked for Beth. Uh, yeah, I did drive that, and then um, I also just drive, drove like a basic white van too sometimes. Um, but yeah, a lot of trust put into us for that. So. Yeah, I had never really driven. I, I drove that van a couple times, oh, okay. um, and 
I had never really driven anything that big. So it definitely, it definitely took a, a little bit just to kind of get used to driving around with something of that portion, you yeah. know? It, yeah, it was, it was weird. It was kind of nerve wracking too, because it's so big and you're probably used to driving a sedan. So it, it, you're like worried about hitting stuff. I, I mean, I, I am used to driving um, a larger vehicle. Um, I, I, I currently have a Highlander, but before that, I had a station wagon, which isn't particularly like bulky or big, um, but it is pretty long, like it, because it's meant to sit seat seven people. Um, nice. So even though it's not like super, yeah, even though it looks like a normal car, it is a lot longer than than what you might expect. Um, so I guess in general, I've never really driven a small car much but there's a big difference between um an suv and like you know a, a van a proper van like that it was yeah it was really big <laughs> it, it is very big um, uh, i drove it with uh the other guy i worked with for beth and um he was actually the super y guy i was almost the super y mascot but i was too tall for the suit so I couldn't fit in there. Really? How tall are you? I'm six, six two, six three, somewhere around there. Okay, so just tall, just too tall. Yeah, I think I'm, I I'm six foot, and I I fit, I fit without an issue. But I was, I, I know I was right on the the edge. Yeah, I was like like three inches too long for it. So I was, I almost fit, but like it was like I was a couple inches too big. Like I think the suit wouldn't go over my shoulders or something because it's too short or something like that. Um, but I, I know you, you seem to be like really okay with the idea of wearing the mascot suit, but I saw um, my coworker after it and he was so sweaty and I definitely didn't envy it. Um, so you must have, you must have been taking that in stride. Well, um, uh, I will admit like the other times I've worn mascot costumes um i know when i was gray dog it was inside the the rec center like in the pool area so i was very i was i was i was very sweaty i'll admit um your mascot in the pool area what that was just where where it ended that's where the scavenger hunt um ended i don't exactly know what the scavenger hunt was but it I, I mean, they put me there, so, you know, I think that most of the events were around the rec center to begin with. That's um, um, so funny. But when I was Wyatt, I, it was, it was winter. I think it was like, August, like October, November, December, around there. So it was pretty cold out. Um, and because of that, I was, I was really comfortable, actually. Um, I think if it was summer or spring or even fall, I probably would have been a little less comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> but um, because it was winter, because it was so cold, I, I had no problems whatsoever with that. So you got pretty lucky then. I, I definitely got pretty lucky. There's, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of like padding and, and whatnot that, that goes into that 
costume. I was impressed by how many different pieces went into that. You know, you have, because it's not just the hands, it's the, the outfit, there's the padding under it, there's the arm padding, there's the leg stuff, there's the feet, there's the cape. I remember the head, the head was sometimes a little difficult to, to move around. Yeah, um, it was really bulky. I think when I when I was working for her, the the eye kept falling out. That was really annoying. Really, <laughs> yeah. but I think let's see. If you worked for them, um, the year I graduated, that means that it would have been like three years between the time that you did it. Well, I graduated, or no, I I did this um, fall. Well, summer two thousand nineteen to okay. spring twenty twenty. So two years. Two years between us. Oh yeah, two years. Yeah, two years between us. I'm sure they they did some stuff. I, I know that Beth mentioned that there was some potentially some issues with Wyatt, like the eyes, but I didn't I didn't see anything. Okay. Yeah. It 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 wasn't a huge deal, but every once in a while, I, I just remember it, it was probably a bigger deal back then. They, they probably got a new version or, or fixed it or something. I think they just fixed it. They mentioned that, or like Beth mentioned that it is a pretty expensive, it was a pretty um, big investment that, that cost that suit. Um, so they, she was like, we're planning getting years of use out of it. Yeah, they probably fixed it, I would say. But uh, yeah, um, if you ever heard Beth talking about an employee negatively, it might have been me because. I, I messed up a lot when I worked for her. It was like one of my first jobs. So. <laughs> I fortunately I I don't think I did. So you you mentioned that that was was that like your first job in in that world of a video? It was. Yeah, we uh, her um, the job working for her was really weird because there was so many different things, such a huge range of stuff, and there's no way I could have been prepared for. Her any of it. I feel like I, I did most of it pretty well, but I think that our personalities didn't mesh. It was mostly that. Um, yeah. But uh, one time I, we, I helped teach a middle school class in Carterville, um, and that was actually a lot of fun. I feel like I did a pretty good job with that. Um, that was one of my like better memories of working there, because it was interesting meeting them and, and kind of like talk i think we, we taught them about like how to use a camera and film stuff and how to edit and kind of like how to structure a camera and, and kind of give them a feel for how to do that which i thought was really interesting and kind of important to show younger people so they kind of like have some sort of idea what goes into making films and tv yeah and i think you know especially now there's so many different video platforms that people can operate on. You know, it's not just YouTube, there's TikTok, there's, there's, I mean, there's Instagram, there's, there's like the Facebook lives, there's, there's so many different things um, that, and people are getting into it pretty young. And so it, it does definitely help to have that education now more than ever, because it's just so accessible. You don't have to wait to get a TV show to be seen by millions of people. Yeah. Yeah, the technology is, is progressing really fast. And I mean, you've seen like on TikTok, people are picking up their cameras and, and using their phones to, to record themselves a lot more. 
now than before. I mean, when we were in like middle school, early high school, if you wanted to film something, you had to buy an expensive camera probably. So. Yeah. I remember um, when I was a kid, I did make a few little home movies. Um, I cannot say that any of them are of particular quality <laughs> and I have no idea where they are now, unfortunately, but um, it, it definitely was a lot more challenging, even like the, the video editing component, um, perhaps just because of lack of skill, but it seems like now there's just so many much more resources for people to do so much more interesting and, and you know, unusual things, uh, quality thing, things that you just weren't able to uh, back then, especially. Yeah, it's become so much more accessible. I mean, even even if you're just an amateur who just wants to make some stuff like before editing programs used to cost hundreds or thousands of dollars and now you can get like adobe creative cloud for like what is it like 50 dollars a month or if you're still yeah. for free yeah um and that gives you access to i mean a whole suite of, of different programs that can really help you through the whole process of you know pretty much everything i remember when i was a kid what, what you had like iMovie you had GarageBand and then like a, a one other thing. Um, but now there's just so many options and so much stuff that like is either affordable or free available to people. That I yeah. think it's, it's really nice how accessible everything is. Yeah. And that was actually one of the things um, about animation too, because it is so much easier to do that now than it used to be. Uh, everything just, I mean, for the whole industry, just everything becomes more and more accessible as the years go by. Um, and it's really the same deal. Um, but I, I feel like, I, I don't know if I would have been as good at animation or as interested if I was doing it 20 years ago. You know what I mean? Because um, 3D animation is now a thing and that's what I specialized in because I can't draw at all. <laughs> so it was very exciting for me to find out that I could be an animator and not actually have to have any sort of chops at drawing so yeah uh, i appreciate how how much the uh the industry is progressing in terms of accessibility <clears throat> did you do any um animation or any sort of like home movies or anything or, some, or things like that when you were a kid no that was another thing um when when i went to college i felt like everyone had had some sort of experience with animating um, and I just didn't like I had nothing really I started I started at the very bottom no experience I had no idea what it would be like all I knew was from what I'd seen on TV um, so yeah no experience at all with anything whatever whether it be filming or animating anything like that so I kind of went blind was there a particular moment or or class you know media piece of media that really brought you into it? Um, yeah, actually just, I mean, it seems lame and I've always kind of had this imposter syndrome about it uh, because the reason that um, I'm interested in it is because I played so many video games growing up that I thought, well, someone's doing this. This is a job, right? So maybe I'll just do that too. And 
I've always felt like that that was like a cop out for a, for a career, you know, because all yeah. these other careers are so complicated and difficult. And then it's like, oh, I want to make video games because I want I like video games so much. It's it's like <laughs> it almost seems like that's like not fair to to everyone else who works so hard, like almost almost like you're not working as hard or something. I don't I don't I don't think that way anymore. But because um, if you know anything about the animation industry. Um, they're probably one of the most overworked um, in terms of like just like the industry as a whole because um, video games as you may or may not know make a lot more than movies and tv um, and it's because it's such a huge industry there's uh, it's and it's relatively easy to make a game um, but they they make so much money and because of that, the the higher up studios, the AAA studios, they all um, like tend to overwork their their workers because they want to meet the deadlines, mm. and so they like do forced uh, overtime and uh, are like there's toxic work some work environment sometimes. So they probably work harder than other other places. I don't know uh, as a frame of reference, but just in general, very very hard workers. Yeah, so, I've, I've, I've definitely heard that, that it's all like crunch, crunch, crunch. Crunch culture, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think I saw somewhere that um, the average amount of time that a video game designer is, or a video game programmer is in the industry is something like 10 years. It's crazy, something crazy like that. Like a lot of people, the it's just too much yeah i i totally understand that too because i mean they they have like no time to 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 do anything else other than work and then they're also i mean in a lot of cases treated really poorly by the their bosses and they don't they're just not treated fairly at all and it's all because they need to put out this product on time um so that they can the companies can make as much money as possible so um but even after I heard about that, it, it didn't really bother me because it's probably one of the only things I've ever really been passionate about in terms of working, um, like animating and video editing. I would say both. Uh, they're very similar to me. It's it's. I never I've never considered myself a creative person, um, but when I work on editing and animating, that's when I feel like I'm actually contributing something or that I'm actually able to be creative in some way. So, that's kind of why I love it so much. So it sounds not necessarily that you're not creative, you just had difficulty finding an outlet for that or yeah. something that was you're passionate about. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So um, yeah, it kind of goes back to the imposter syndrome thing. I, I always feel like it's not, it almost, it's because it's so fun for me. It almost feels like it's not real work. You know what I mean? <laughs> so. Well, I mean, you know, they say um, love what you're doing and never work a day in your life. Mm. Okay. I like that. I can relate to that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, it's still work. I mean, now, now working for you guys, it, it definitely, I can understand. I, I'm feeling a little bit less like an imposter because I, I, you know, I put a certain amount of time into, into editing and it, and it is work. Um, but it's fun work and I wouldn't, I would not rather do any other type of work than this because it would be much more grueling and this work doesn't feel grueling, you know, it feels like, like when you do anything productive, you get that great feeling and you have fun doing it. It's just kind of like anything like that. 
because you get to see that like direct product at the end, right? Exactly, yeah. But it, it's kind of funny that you mentioned like that's how you got into this world to begin with of, of being interested in games because the reason that I started in computer science is because I was like, well, I mean, what do I want to do? I guess get into game design. <laughs> Oh, okay. So literally the, the the same reason. I was like, I guess game design. And then, I mean, it wasn't until I took a course, and I was kind of going down that path, and then I took a course in, in web design, and I was like, oh, well, this, this is something that I'm actually really passionate about. And I just, you know, like you, I would have had no idea if I hadn't taken those more general or the, the other kinds of courses. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, the program is kind of a double-edged sword that way because you didn't really actually get to be a game designer, but you got to find something else that you're equally or maybe even more as passionate about. I think that's something that it applies for a lot of education and some people are, are critical um, of like, oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pre-med or I'm, I'm going to law or, or what have you. Why do I have to take these general ed courses? And it, it's a lot of times it's just because you don't necessarily know what you what you really really want to do, what your dream job is, until you have the chance to kind of get exposed to that world. And if you don't get exposed to it, you know, as a kid or growing up, like I never, I don't I don't really know any web designers. I never got exposed to that. Um, but that was just something that I you know, I, I had no, I didn't even think about it. And I took a class and that was it. And I remember, um, the, that I took that class in the spring and then in the summer one day I was like, you know, I've always wanted to work at, at WSIU because I grew up listening to NPR. I grew up watching PBS. Um, I always loved it. So I was like, well, what's stopping me? So I literally walked in and I just asked them, hey, I'm a computer science uh, major. Is, you know, is there anything I can do? Uh, or is there anywhere I can volunteer? And they were like, let's, let me, let's direct you to Katrina Stackhouse, assistant director of um, uh, digital, the digital marketing side of it, or digital, Promotions, design, and marketing, I believe, is the term. Um, I think and she gave me a job offer. You know, I, I mean, after looking at my my portfolio, my resume, but WSIU was also my first uh, job, really, in the industry, so to speak. Yeah, at all. And I think that's what's what's really great about them, and a lot of. Um, places that are, you know, university positions or university adjacent um, is they are willing to kind of bring people in who don't have a lot of background uh, as students, like bring them in and then, you know, teach them and make, have them learn so much that they can turn around and use for other things. I mean, like yeah, you I, said, like you said, oh, when you started, um, it, it sounds like you, you probably learned a lot from your time there, just learning in the field. Yeah. Um, 
I did. And I, I think it is really important that uh, universities hire students because it's the best way to get experience better than being in class. Because it's like you kind of, like you said, adjacent to working as an actual position. You get that, you get the same basically quality of experience and you get to be right there. It's almost almost on the level of an internship, I'd say. It, it was um, really great for, for getting experience. So, Yeah, I remember... I think this was like two or three years ago. It finally clicked for me because you always hear about like, oh, like why are all these entry level positions? They, they all require like, you know, three years of experience, four years of experience. And I thought of, I finally realized that's supposed to be those four years of experience, three years of experience are supposed to be in college. And it, it makes a lot of sense when you think about it like that. Because it's like, oh, why do these entry-level positions uh, have these requirements? It's because they expect you to have started that work in college where they're willing to take on people with, you know, almost no practical experience. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it makes sense that way. But it is also kind of exclusive because there's only a certain amount of jobs that a person can, that, they, that a university can give out. So it's, it's kind of highly competitive. Um, and you have to really know what you want to do early on. Um, and that was, I think, yeah. where it was difficult, why it was difficult for me to find an animation job, because I did have experience, but it wasn't with animation. So that was the big problem. Gotcha. Um, and it didn't really matter. I mean, I guess I, I could have put more work into making animations. Like if I'd really gr uh, grinded and made more animations uh, in the time that I had uh, at school, it would have been really difficult, but I could have made my portfolio a little better, but I ended up, you know, it's it just, it, it's so time consuming to make them. Um, the fastest I've ever made one was, it was like less than 10 seconds and it took me two months of working every day. Wow. Uh, so it, it's really, um, it's hard work. And I just, I, know, I was, I didn't, I didn't have the time or uh, apply myself enough. I mean, all things considered, you know, everything that, all the decisions in your life, everything that you've done, everything that's happened to you has brought you to this point. So, I mean, if, if you enjoy where you are, if, then it couldn't have been that bad, I guess. Yeah, no, of course not. Yeah, I mean, I kind of, I knew in the back of my mind that getting an animation job right out of college would be like a pipe dream almost. And I always was equally as interested in, editing as I was in animating um so I mean obviously animation was my first choice but I've I was always very okay with being an editor too because they're very similar um and one of them is you know for video games and the other one is for like everything else so uh I think of it as an opportunity to experience an endless amount of uh types of media so how are video editing and uh animation similar um, just in terms of how I feel when I do that work, you know what I mean? Oh, okay. It's like, like I said before, it's just kind of like, they're both creative and they're both kind of come easily to me. Um, so practically, I mean, objectively, they're not super similar, but for me, they're very similar. I mean, you, you're kind of like going in and, and looking at really small details, um, and, and timing things right. So in that way, they're very similar. 
Um, but I mean, as a whole, they're, they're, they've got similarities and differences. Like, but, like, but the big similarity is just how it makes you feel. Yeah, that's, that's a big one. And timing, I would say, is, is something that is also very similar. Um, they both require a very good sense of timing and like uh, precise, um, like precise, I don't know, editing, I guess. Like, cause it's, it's, they both uh, require like, like that fine tuning. You know what I mean, if that makes sense. Yeah, it, it definitely does. So um, I know you mentioned, you know, you, you enjoying your work with kids. If there are, um, people of any age really but you know a young person going into college or someone who's in college trying to figure it out um, someone looking to get into animation or, or video editing um, what would your advice for them be so my advice I mean the, the first thing that comes to mind is kind uh figure out if that's what you want to do figure out what you want to do as early as you possibly can because for me i i made there were a lot of decisions that i made that i felt like were too late um and i always felt like i was behind so i think that if you if you realize that you want to do that early on the earlier the better because you can kind of take those steps to figure out what your next uh move will be and get the experience early on because that's super important. Um, I mean, as long as you find out what you're passionate about, whether it be animation or anything else, um, the earlier the better. Um, so just getting that experience in early on is, is super important. But I understand that it's, it can be hard to figure that out when you're a teenager, there's so much going on, you, you have no idea. So I just recommend kind of like figuring out what you're passionate about. Um, and doing it early on because you can I mean there are resources you can even if your school doesn't offer animation as a as a class there's you can like go and look at behind the scenes stuff for um, like your favorite stuff whether it be like games or, or movies you can kind of see how they're made and see if that seems like something you like and that alone will be a, a, a great resource to kind of get a feel for um, what it's like to, to do that kind of thing and, and see how it's done. And like we talked about, uh, there's a lot of, you know, free or affordable or just generally very accessible resources for people yeah. who, who are looking to get into it. Yeah, there's, uh, there's some free resources. I, I think for specifically for 3d animation, I'm pretty sure the, um, pretty sure there's a free, uh, I, I don't know, I, I could be completely wrong, but there's, I'm pretty sure there's a free program called Mudbox um, where you can do like simple um, 3D models. Yeah. I have no idea if it's free, so <laughs> don't quote me on that, but. I, I will try not to. Okay. <laughs> but uh, there, that's something. And if you're into more traditional 2D animation, um, you can just like, even just watching people write, draw storyboards is, would like, set you so far ahead um, in terms of, of where you'll be mentally um, getting into that field. So just doing it as, as soon as possible is, is a great thing. Yeah, I, I, I've definitely seen a few of those, um, or like they have the scene and it's the storyboard 
uh, of it with the audio over it. And it, it is just so cool seeing how it got from that to the final animation. Yeah. Yeah, it is really cool because there's so many things that go into it. I mean, even if you're just interested in, in watching animations, there's so many different ways you can contribute to that too. So there's there's the audio aspect, there's the um, there's the conceptualization aspect, there's writing, um, and then of course the animating. So uh, producing, you can do so many different things. So uh, I would recommend just, yeah, exploring it ahead of time and seeing, you know, seeing how it's done. And, and that's uh, kind of a, a good way to figure out what you want to do in any, any capacity. Most definitely. Well, Alex, I'd like to thank you so much for coming on. Um, where can people find you? Um, I don't know. I, I don't really have like a, uh, a lot of like media that I share what I do on. Um, I did just start an Instagram that I haven't posted on at all yet. Um, can you tell us the, uh, the, the handle at least? Yeah, the, I don't, cause I don't know if I, if I'm going to post on it really at all, but I mean the, the, the media handle is a uh, Rye Media LLC, um, spelled W R Y, um, Rye. And uh, that's like the name of my LLC, which I'm, I'm working on making right now. Um, it's just kind of like, I don't, Bridget um, was kind of like helping me through that process and making sure that I, I get that because I guess it's, it's helpful to have as a freelance uh, worker. But I'll probably have that um, up and running soonish. But she, that, she'd definitely be better, pretty good. I think she'd probably be pretty good at, at setting that up. Yeah, I, I'm not the best at, you know, publicizing myself. Um, I have a really old portfolio site. If you if you really want to check out some of my uh, work from college, um, the URL is very long. So I, if you give me a minute, I can um, look it up if you want. Do you think I should do that? Um, you can just send me it after and I'll make sure to include it uh, in the description down below as well as your Instagram. Okay, thank you. Yeah, I'll appreci I appreciate that. Um, so if anyone's interested in checking out my portfolio, you can, absolutely. Um, no guarantee you'll like what I see. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sure they'll find something that they can, they can appreciate or, or get some value out of. Thanks. But yeah, I'd like to thank you so much. And um, I'd like to thank you, my dear viewers and listeners, uh, for getting to this part. If you have any questions or comments for the podcast, um, make sure to go to bbdigitallab.com slash podcast. There you can ask whatever questions you'd like. You just fill out the little form. You can see some, you can listen to some of our archive podcasts. Um, and the podcast comes out every Monday. So check back next week for the new one. And uh, thank you for joining us for the first episode of season two. And thank you, Alex, for joining us as well. Thanks for having me. Okay. See you all next week.